Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the True Crime Podcast. I'm Renette. And I'm Marina. Today, I will be speaking about a San Diego serial killer, Cleophis Prince Jr., a.k.a. the Claremont Killer. I knew it was going to be him when <laughs> you, you said it was it. going to be a trip, uh, serial killer. Well, I mean, there aren't many. There aren't many. I know there is a couple from back in the day, um, but this one was very interesting. I had recognized his photo, his mugshot, mm-hmm. when I um, was researching him, but I didn't know the details, and it was a very, very intense case, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and I had mentioned on the we, when we were on the Emo Brown podcast, we were there as guests in the latest uh, Metiche Monday episode, but I said something about how the serial killer was from the 70s, and that was incorrect, so sorry about that. He was born in 1967, but his murders were committed in the 90s, and okay. 1990 to 1991. Okay. So uh, speaking of Emo Brown, uh, we had so much fun. We were there yes, as guests. it was so much fun. Yeah, you had been on there before with September for trivia, but I had I never was. done something like that. Yeah, it's kind of nerve wracking, right? Like it was. Yeah. (laughs) And I felt more nervous because I was like, okay, it's just going to be Steve and whoever else he co hosted with. Yeah, there was like a little crowd in there, like an audience. They all were so nice, but super grateful that they had us on. Yeah, their studio was really nice. I liked the layout and everything. And in the episode, Steve did mention that we are going to be included in the media group. So hopefully, yay. That starts soon. <laughs> yeah. But um, so it's exciting. And yeah, I'm just really excited about this. Okay, so let's begin. So like I stated, uh, Cleophis Prince Jr., he was born July 24th in 1967 in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. He was uh, raised in a not so great neighborhood. It was in the city projects, a very poor poverty and crime stricken neighborhoods. Um, when he was only two years old, Cleophis's father shot and killed a man. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, he served time, about 10 years, for the... Uh, he got only charged for manslaughter, though. So, what the heck? Yeah. Um, so he grew up basically visiting his father about once a week in prison and not a great childhood. Mm-hmm. So, um, Then, uh, as Cleophis grew up, he really wanted to leave... Birmingham. He wanted a chance to, to for a better life for himself, so he decided to join the navy. Okay. He became a mechanic, and he got stationed in San Diego. Mm-hmm. So, um, and when he got to San Diego, I believe it was in 1989, he was convicted of larceny, a fancy word for theft, and he served. What a, was it that he stole? Um, it didn't really say, but. He, like, according to the research I did about him, he does like to steal jewelry. Okay. Jewelry, small, little, valuable items. Maybe because he can pawn it off. Mm-hmm, exactly, and quickly hide it. Yeah. And um, he served about two months for that. Um, he was then dishonorably discharged from the Navy. and that, For the larceny? For the larceny, oh, okay. yes. Um, that hit him hard because he was really enjoying himself in the Navy. He had a purpose. He felt like he was doing well, but then, unfortunately, he was uh, dishonorably discharged. So, after that, he began working for a cable company, but um, his habit continued. He still was stealing from homes that he was working in, and um, he was very, very good 
at breaking and entering and stealing. That was mm. like, yeah, there was actually an interview with, they hid hit their identities, but there was a couple of people that stated um, that they were friends with him and he would actually teach them how to break and enter using different types of tools, like everyday items you would have on your person. So like cards or like different types of keys or like bobby pins or wires little things like that so is this something that his friends wanted to learn um i guess so yeah that's what they bonded over i guess is like breaking entering and stealing wonderful um three years after arriving in san diego cleophis moved into an apartment complex called the buena vista apartments in claremont with Mm -hmm. his girlfriend This is where he committed the first three murders. Cleophis, he murdered uh, six women total. And I'll be speaking about each one as the investigation goes on. Because there's a lot that happens um, in between each murder. That's very specific. Uh, The women were killed between January and September of 1990. But in between that time, he was also convicted of 20 burglaries throughout. So a lot of charges. It was under a year. It was like eight months that he yeah, went I on Yeah, I thought it was spree. about a year, but I guess, no, yeah. Okay. eight months, which wow. is a lot yeah. in a short amount of time. Per the other residents of the complex that he lived in and his friends, because he was friendly with a lot of the neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, Clearfist was pretty normal. Nothing really stuck out to them that he was that odd. He was a little quiet here and there, but um, and also that he was very into working out and going to the gym. Which got to be in shape when you're trying to take down these women. And, yeah, apparently. Yeah. And he was actually pretty short in stature, but he was a pretty, he was a buff like guy. Like a stocky. Yeah, he yeah. was really, he was strong looking. But um, the gym thing is actually going to come up later on as well. Because okay. he had an MO and part of it was kind of watching women at the gym and stalking them. Like motherfucker. I know, creepy. Okay, so first victim, Tiffany Page Schultz. She died at the age of 20, January 12th of 1990. She lived at the Canyon Ridge apartment complex, which was just next to the Buena Vista Gardens apartments. Mm-hmm. And she was sunbathing on her balcony when Cleophis came up to her asking for a coat hanger to help him get back into his car because he had locked himself out. Ah. Uh. She was really creeped out because she didn't know who this person was and she was very vulnerable because she was just wearing a bathing suit. Right. And But she was right in front of her door. He, When she said that she didn't have a wire hanger for him, he grabbed her, attacked her, and dragged her inside her of her own apartment. Oh my gosh. She had been stabbed over 50 times in the chest with a kitchen knife that was later found in the sink. Oh my gosh. Um, her stab wounds were mainly in a circular pattern over her left breast. And she had been sexually assaulted and poised in a spread eagle manner. Her oh arms gosh. and legs spread open and naked. Um, oh, man. So the police um, were very bewildered by this because these this neighborhood was very quiet just mm-hmm. how you know how these things go it's always like things like this never happen right. here and um and so brutally murdered very brutal there was a lack of evidence at the crime scene which was pretty frustrating for them um 
And initially, Tiffany's boyfriend was the main suspect. He was arrested for her murder, but then released three days later. Oh, okay. They didn't have any hard evidence, and he wasn't the one who right. did it. So. Um, the second victim was Janine Marie Weinhold. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janine, she was murdered on February 16th, 1990. She was 21 years old. She also lived at the same complex as Tiffany, the... Um, can you imagine the people living in that complex, how scared they must have felt? And this was basically, let's see, about a month and four days later. God, so, yeah. Yeah, very close together. I wouldn't even be giving a 30-day notice. I'd be like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, basically. And um, there was an interview with some of the neighbors saying, like, this was still a time where you could leave your door unlocked mm-hmm. and or you still could trust your neighbors with yeah. anything. But they were all terrified and they were just you know always locking their doors their windows never keeping anything open yeah um so with janine she lived in the same complex as tiffany the canyon ridge apartment complex janine she had dropped off her roommate at work and she went back to the complex to do laundry and do some chores when it was time for her to pick up her roommate she never showed up Mm. and so the roommate immediately became extremely worried and she called the police because of course that was this murder had just happened yeah um when police went to uh, janine's apartment they found that her door was open her front door the laundry basket was there next to the front door um they found her body in the bathroom naked again spread eagle with stab wounds on her left side of her chest in a circular pattern again. Wow. Just like Tiffany. Yeah. So they knew it was the same perpetrator. Yes. And uh, they were becoming very, very scared that this was going to continue and become a serial killer case. Yeah. Um, There is an interview with a couple of the investigators on this case. They stated that the the name of the stabbing is called Mm -hmm. Pickerism, Oh, and okay. so the, his way of pickerism is in a con, concentric circle and it's from shallow to deep stabbing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was pretty interesting. I yeah. had never heard that before. Neither have I. And then paraphilia, which is the persistent and recurrent sexual acts that are not typical in nature. And um, because Tiffany and Janine were raped, not all victims were, but they were. Okay. Um, moving on to the third in victim. Holly Suzanne Tarr, she was 18 years old. She died April 3rd of 1990. Again, just actually less than a month. Yeah. And um, she was actually not from San Diego. She was visiting her brother. She was from Michigan. Her brother lived in the Buena Vista Gardens apartments. And um, Wait, that's the one he lived in, right? Oh, no, no, oh, no. Yes, but, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so Cleophis lived. lived in the Buena Vista Gardens. Oh, but the other complex what an was across idiot the street. To like, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, too. It's scary. It's like he was right. committing crimes in which he was literally just like 100 feet Hiding away. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah, yeah. So when Holly was murdered and her body was found, this was a big, big, big deal because this is when it confirmed that there was a serial killer mm-hmm. on the loose in the Claremont area. Yeah. Um, Holly's murder led police to believe that 
this serial killer's MO was stalking, stabbing in a circular pattern, raping, and leaving them, you know, spread eagle mm-hmm. um, in a bathroom or bedroom setting. Mm-hmm. And the whole area was in a panic. The media was in a frenzy. And that's when they called Cleophis the Claremont killer. So Holly was found um, in the bathroom. She had just been showering. Mm-hmm. And that's when the police uh, saw that she was spread eagle and naked and she had been raped. Um, there was two eyewitnesses, a resident, Tammy, who was friends with Holly and the maintenance worker. The maintenance worker um, was trying to get into Holly's apartment after Tammy had gotten help because she was supposed to meet up with Tammy. Oh, and they were okay. going to hang out and do something after they had been at the pool but she wasn't opening the door and typically Holly would have left the door unlocked for Tammy to go in. Uh-huh. So the maintenance man went in. He was trying to unlock the door when it busted open. Cleophis had seen that there were two people standing there. He tried to hide his face with his t-shirt oh, wow. by lifting it up. And the maintenance man got extremely scared because he saw he was holding a bloody knife. Right. And he fell backwards And Cleophis basically ran past them down the stairs. The maintenance man tried to grab at him, but he couldn't reach him. Uh And he fled. Later on, investigators found his t-shirt and the bloody knife in a bush around the corner from the apartment. Okay. I'm wondering uh, really quick, because if they found the bloody knife, unless he was wearing gloves, they would get fingerprints. And he had... um, a rap sheet of like larceny. So his fingerprint would be in like the criminal database. So, mm-hmm. so I, I guess. Yeah. So for each of these cases, the, there was not enough evidence because Cleophis would wear socks on his hands oh. and he was very, very good at uh, cleaning up his tracks. He never okay. left any evidence behind okay. and he had practiced so many times with beanies and um, stealing basically. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I thought about that, too. Um, When police interviewed Tammy Moore about Holly, the friend, Mm -hmm. she had said that they were at the pool and there was a sign-in sheet. And when the police looked over the sign-in sheet, they saw right below Tammy and Holly's names a name C. Prince. Cleophis Mm -hmm. Prince. Cleophis Prince. I I would have said my name was... Any other name. (laughs) Exactly. And um, so when they found out that Cleophis Prince lived in the complex, they asked for his fingerprints, blood, saliva samples, but he refused. Oh, okay. And police put his name kind of on the back burner and continued the investigation. Because another reason why they were asking him questions as well is because the two witnesses stated he was an African-American man. And there weren't that many African-American men in the complex. Well, why would they put him on the back burner? Because if they didn't have any real hard evidence and they were continuing trying to find someone else. doesn't it look almost guilty as fuck if you're not wanting to give any, like, um, they were asking for, like, some sort of DNA, right? Is that, yes. Yeah. Hmm. I think they were... I think they were looking at the residents, but also trying to just find... Um, criminals in the area as well who fit the profile of an African-American kind of a little shorter stockier and they didn't get a full view of his face so um, the witnesses so I think 
that's why I don't know. I'm not sure the this investigation wasn't going that well. Yeah. They didn't have too much evidence. Later on, um, when police interviewed his neighbors in the complex, this was after mm-hmm. Cleophis had been arrested, but um, they did state that Cleophis would sometimes say and complain that um, that the police kept bothering him, asking him, coming back to ask him for more prints or for interviewing him just to see if they could get anything out of him. Yeah. They basically were... You know, kind of, they did have him as a main ish, a main subject, a person of interest, a person of, of interest, exactly. Yeah. And so the neighbors told him, like, well, if you're innocent and you're complaining about this constantly, it's like, then just give them the sample so they'll leave you alone. Yeah. You can cross you off the list. But he stated, no, I shouldn't have to. And he's like, I'm, I'm innocent. I shouldn't have to do that, mm-hmm. which doesn't make any sense. Okay. So after. After the murder of Holly, which was his third victim, there had been several months of nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, during the, sus- the police were on his ass. Exactly. So that's why. And he actually moved and the police didn't had no idea that he had left that mm. complex. But during this time, the police were trying to analyze this and see if they could find the next, you know, uh, kind of catch him before the next victim. And they stated that it was almost mind-boggling to them that a serial killer was on the loose, that he was African-American, which is very rare. Right. Yeah. That, And the fact that he was committing these crimes against the opposite race, a different race of his, yeah. basically. And so that was very odd to them. Yeah. And when I read this at first, I thought, oh, that's not that different because... Jeffrey Dahmer, he would commit crimes mainly against African Americans, but he was a white male, right. which fit the profile of mm-hmm. a serial killer. Um, I remember an episode of Bailey Sarian. She did Gary Michael Heidnick, and Never. it was, I think, called the Cellar Killers. He would kidnap African American young girls who had um, disabilities, oh, and gosh. he would use their, he would basically kidnap them. And put them in his basement and tie them up. And I believe he did murder a few of them, but most of them were able to escape at the end. Mm -hmm. But um, he actually committed crimes against African-Americans. So those are the two cases that kind of I I thought of when I heard about this. But he was also a white male. So, yeah. Investigators said that these savage murders are anything but opportunistic. The killer was stalking his prey and striking where there was no escape. They characterized the unknown serial killer as, quote-unquote, disorganized opportunist. And I guess that became like a new term. In each case so far, Prince entered the female victim's residence during daylight hours Mm -hmm. through an unlocked door window, but in certain cases he had pushed the doors open while they were there, surprising them or just... During or just after being in a vulnerable state. Yeah. You know, sunbathing, showering. Relaxing. Yeah, basically yeah. not. Um, On guard. Mm-hmm. And also using knives from their own kitchens. So he never actually entered with his own weapons. He would mm-hmm. use their kitchen knives. Police also theorized that the serial killer may have stalked his victims, following them home from either a gym or fitness club. Oh, okay. Were they... Different gyms from the one that he attended because he worked out a lot, right? You said so. 
I believe they were the ones that he went to. There was a yeah. gym in the complex, but and then later on there is a a twenty four hour fitness I think near the complex of where uh, one of the victims lived, okay. and he would stalk them. And um, so the next two victims is actually a mother and daughter. Oh my god! I know. Um, Pamela Gail Clark and Amber Clark. Pamela was 42 and Amber was 18. Mm. They were both stabbed to death, but they were not sexually assaulted. Um, they died on September 13th in 1990 in their home in University City. Pamela had been showering. Um, they When they found her body, her hair was wet still, and she was naked, spread eagle on the bathroom floor, Again, circular pattern on her, above her left breast. She was stabbed 11 times in the chest. Amber was found down the hallway close to the bathroom, also naked, spread eagle. She was also stabbed 11 times in the chest. Um, and again, a lack of evidence. And the police were terrified because they thought they had, you know, that he had stopped yeah. since several months had gone by. Yeah. Um, they, the San Diego police characterized this case as the largest manhunt in the force's history at the time. Wow. San Diego police initially focused their attention on an accused rapist in January of 1991 with similar uh, descriptions, I guess, but um, they he was quickly taken off the list and it wasn't him. But if they had like Cleo as um, a person of interest, I think they should have done something like where... Um, they were kind of just like following him and just like watching yeah. his movements. Because- I think, well, because at this time he had moved out of that, um, the Buena Vista Gardens apartment oh, and, and they, they didn't, didn't know. know where he went. And um, he had been living with the girlfriend, but oh, okay. she didn't have any idea where he went. They didn't ha- know. And they thought, you know, that he had stopped. Yeah. But then these murders happened. So Then... In February of 1991, about five months after the death of Pamela and Amber, the mother and daughter, there was basically an attempted murder that uh, the next, his quote unquote next victim, mm-hmm. but it, he was unsuccessful. Her name is Geraldine Ventverlo. Ventverlo? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Sorry. Um, so this was a big turn in the case because Prince had or Cleophus, he tried to break into the nearby gym of the Scripps Ranch uh, Scripps Ranch apartments, uh-huh. and he followed her home from the gym of the complex. She was going to shower when she heard someone picking her door lock. Oh my God, that and is terrifying. She saw that someone was trying to break in. She saw the doorknob, the door moving. Oh my God. She quickly um, slipped through the back door the black sliding door, and she found a neighbor to ask for some help. Thank God. The neighbor and her went over around the building. They were calling the police, and they saw Cleophis still at the front door trying to break in. Oh, my God. And so the neighbor, he stated, like, hey, like, get out. What are you doing? Get out of here. Like, before we're calling the police. He quickly saw that there was no other way for him to go, so he just ran right past them, and he didn't even cover his face. Wow. Um, He ran towards the parking lot, and he jumped into his car. Uh, Geraldine, she ran after him, trying to, like, see what kind of car he had and see any information she can get from him. 
Um, as he drove off, she couldn't see his license plate, but she did notice that his muffler was extremely loud. You know, it was a big pop noise when he would rev his engine and mm-hmm. leave. So that stuck in her head and she was terrified. The police went in. There was, you know, nothing much they could do. But um, the neighbor that had helped Gerilyn stated, I think that was a Claremont killer. You know, African-American, kind of short, stocky, yeah. he was breaking in and you were at a vulnerable place. Like he followed you from the gym probably. Mm-hmm. So the next day, Gerilyn, she went to work and she, from her um, office window, she heard a loud muffler, car muffler. Oh my God. She he was stalking her at her work? Well, listen to this. So she heard this and she immediately freaked out because she remembered that it's the exact same noise as um, Cleophis's car. She looks out the window and sees Cleophis dropping off the receptionist at the front building, which is his current girlfriend. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> she was... Yeah, she immediately called the police. The police were on the scene pretty quickly and uh, they followed him over to a nearby 24 hour fitness. And when they found him, they immediately put him in handcuffs and they searched his vehicle and he fit the profile African-American. And um, they had already seen that he had a rap sheet already. They found in his car uh, several tools that he used to break in like wires uh, wire hangers yeah yeah. and like little like pickaxe things and um a couple of pairs of gloves and pairs of socks that were kind of like dirty and used up so um unfortunately he posted bail and fled back home to alabama (laughs) wow i kind of want to know though can you imagine the receptionist all of a sudden sees police at her place of employment and then she's probably like, what's going on? Yeah. And then finds out her coworker was like, I almost got attacked by your boyfriend yesterday. <laughs> tried breaking in. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So the police had tried uh, several times for search warrants on his girlfriend at the time. And they are finally able to search her apartment where Cleophis was living with him, with her. Police find a ring it's like a, it was like a little pearl ring with diamonds around it that belonged to Holly. And this was a ring that Holly had always had on her and oh, it was wow. missing at the scene of the crime. While police were waiting to um, charge Cleophis of this, he was actually arrested in Alabama for petty theft again and he was extradited to San Diego. Just can't help himself, huh? Yeah, <clears throat> apparently not. Yeah. Um, while the trial was being prepared, FBI agents were able to link Cleophis's M.O. to a cold case from May of 1990, which was one month after Holly's murder. Oh, shit. What happened in that case? Yeah. So actually, this is the case of Elisa Naomi Keller. She was actually the fourth victim before the mother and father were killed. I'm sorry. The the mother and daughter were killed. So but it was a cold case. They didn't link it to. Was it also in San Diego? It it was in San Diego, and but it was very far away from the area of Claremont and Scripps Ranch where um, Cleophis normally had lived, so they didn't link it. Because but was this it case, like stabbing around the left breast in a circular? Um, actually, this case was different. Oh, okay. and so that's why they didn't link it right away. Oh. But FBI agents, you know, they thought, oh, we have some similarities. Let's see if this was him. So this is the part that 
I got freaked out when I was doing research because I found out that Elisa was killed in the apartment complex right down the street from where I live. And I recognized, okay, so what I was doing, I was watching and I was listening to an episode of Born to Kill on YouTube. It uh-huh. was about Cleophis. But I was also at the same time reading an article specifically about Elisa because uh-huh. I couldn't find the name of the apartment complex. It mm-hmm. just said East San Diego. So I was like, okay, well, I want to find this name of the complex. As I'm reading, I see Trojan Avenue. I'm not going to dox myself and say where I live, but yeah. Trojan Avenue. And I thought, oh, Trojan Avenue, that's right here. And as I go back to the video, I see the investigators driving by this orangey clay apartment complex. And right next to it is a green building. And that's literally the view from my patio. <laughs> Oh my god. So I god. was like, oh my god, I freaked That's out. So weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I um I freaked out. I told my mom about it and I started burning um some sage. <laughs> I don't live in the best area for sure, but um, maybe there's some weird little bad. There are a lot of police that always end up in that corner and there's a lot of um sirens that go off and ghetto birds flying over. Yeah. But yeah, I had no oh idea gosh. that that had happened there in that complex it's kind of like the feeling that i had when yes. with the raymond godecki, godecki and it's so close to my house i know it's just it's weird, weird right to, to think, think about... like where you live some weird yeah. crazy shit went on the creepy thing is that the building looked exactly the same like really? from this 1990 or 91 um episode to now it looks yeah. exactly the same so i was like ooh, creepy yeah but yeah so let's see okay elisa she was 38 years old She died on May 21st, 1990. And uh, like I said, this was pretty far away, 20, 25 minute drive-ish drive from the northern, yeah, Claremont and Scripps Ranch area. So the investigator stated that this case was quote unquote different, but just as horrific as Cleophis's case case is. So Elisa was semi-positioned in Spread Eagle Manor. Um, she was not only stabbed, but she was brutally beaten. And this was not he typically typically him. Beat. Yeah, he would not beat them. She was found, unfortunately, by her daughter. Her oh daughter had God. been gone for about a week. And when she came back, she noticed that um, the the main lock was unlocked, but the little lock on the doorknob was locked so it was like she, it was odd because she knew that her mom would always lock the top lock yeah so she went in immediately the smell was horrific she started calling out for her mom she found her mom she went into the bedroom she saw that there was something on the floor on the other side of the bed her mom had a blanket on top of her but her face and her arms and feet were shown just not her body she immediately called the police and um, told them what had happened. Police say that they think Cleophis was actually targeting the daughter because uh, Elisa, her mom, was actually a very, very tall and a bigger, stronger woman. Oh, okay. Um, her daughter was a lot smaller than her and fit the profile of Cleophis's victims. Mm-hmm. So they think that he had... Uh, broken and entered into the apartment, found the mother, Elisa, instead of the daughter, and was immediately just surprised and had to just go and attack her. Right. And um, that's where the beating happened. 
he did uh, stab her in a small circular pattern on the left chest, but it was sporadic too. It wasn't like a distinct. Oh, okay. It looked mainly like he was targeting one area, but had moved around. So, yeah. and the part where the blanket was placed over her body, which was odd because Cleophas would normally leave his victims naked, spread eagle in a you know embarrassing kind of way. So yeah, and also a gold nugget ring belonging to Elisa was traced back to Prince, and um, that's another. Um, piece of evidence that they yeah, found. Yeah, they took a uh, trophy. Yes, exactly. So, um, after listening to all of this evidence of the all six victims, plus other attempted burglaries on um, Geraldine, for example, Cleophas sat in court quietly with a blank stare. He had no emotion on his face. If you see the video, it's the show is called Born to Kill. It's really good. It's on YouTube, um, specifically about him. And he just has, like, nothing on his face. It's creepy. It's There's really nothing creepy. there. Nothing. Um, when the judge sentenced him to the death penalty, that's when he spoke up and showed some type of emotion. Coward. What did he say? So he, said, <laughs> he stood up and looked at the victim's families and stated, quote, I did not kill any of your daughters. I don't know what's going on here. There's a lot of evidence in this case to show that I did not kill your daughters. I feel for all of you that your daughters have passed away. The news media says I have no feelings inside, but I do cry. I've seen the pictures of your daughters and the way that they were tormented and everything. It hurts me just like it hurt all of you, but I didn't kill your daughters, end quote. Please, <laughs> bitch ass. Um, Cleophas still, to this day, constantly declares that he's innocent. Constantly. Which reminded me of Betty Broderick. The yeah. whole um, narcissistic. He's like, uh, what's it called? Oh, like Casey Anthony had that. Um, yeah. There's another term, though, I think, besides the pathological liar is, is the term, too. But there's something else I thought kind of makes me think of the story today of my freaking coworker lying and not able to take accountability and blaming <laughs> glass. <laughs> Saying a dog brought glass into one of my vacant units. Are we keeping that part in? We sure are. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, so yes, you're right. It's pathological liar. There's also intentional, manipulative, protective, avoidant, impressive, lazy, tactful liars. But what was really, really um, sticking out to investigators about Cleophis is that he lied just for no reason. And he just kept defending his innocence and they just couldn't believe anything he said. And But all this evidence anyway was stacked against him. So yeah. there was no real point. But um, accountability. Yep. In jail, um, Cleophis was interviewed many times and he would always say, quote, I just want the public to know that I am innocent. Even though I have been found guilty, I am innocent. I have not killed anyone. I am not the Claremont killer. I am not a crazy man. I sleep good at every night. I've never had problems sleeping. That means I'm innocent. End quote. Yeah, that's what that means. Yeah. Okay. No, that <laughs> means so, you're just a psychopath. Yeah. Um, so on July 15th, 1993, Cleophis was found guilty on all six counts of first degree murder plus 21 other felony charges. Cleophis is currently on death row in San Quentin State 
prison. He is currently 55 years old. Oh, why was I thinking I expected him older? I was also very surprised. He was only 23 years old when he started committing these crimes. Wow. So he was very, very young. Mm -hmm. Um, That's probably why he was uh, so disorganized too, maybe, or? I think so, yeah. You know, I I remember the name Cleo, Cleophis, um, and I just remember him being the Claremont killer, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. Like I don't, I didn't know anything else about it. It okay. didn't seem he didn't seem interesting to me. I don't know why. I remember when I came across this, like mm. <laughs> really, you know. But <laughs> now hearing all this stuff, yeah, wow. So that was the case of the Claremont killer, Cleophis Prince Jr. Rest in peace to the six victims. They were stalked and murdered by Cleophis at their most vulnerable state, and they just didn't deserve any of that it was way too brutal yes well thank you all for listening and um next time renette will be speaking about again a local san diego case i will i already have my case picked out it's not a serial killer just <laughs> another crazy person all right mm-hmm. well sounds good thank you guys for listening thank you everyone see you bye. next time bye